It's interesting that uh, the church in its readings, its assigned readings, the lectionary, um, immediately after the great joy of Pascha, we have assigned the reading of the doubt of Thomas. And immediately after the great joy here of the nativity that we have just, uh, of, of our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ that we've just celebrated, we have the reading uh, which reminds us of the slaughter of the innocents at Bethlehem. And in some ways, this kind of horrible, epic um, story of un injustice and death um, reminds me a little bit of a movie I saw not too long ago, uh, the latest Star Wars movie. The, uh, and, and, and in particular, what I think remind, it reminds me of is, is there's a contrast here that I want to draw our attention to that uh, the church also puts into its, um, uh, into its uh, calendar as, uh, along with the lectionary. Because along with this reading from uh, about the slaughter of the innocents, uh, the, the church also gives us to commemorate today the holy righteous ones. Joseph, the betrothed, David, the king, and James, the brother of our Lord. And if you look at the story of these three righteous men, I think they're being presented to us deliberately as a counterpoint to this epic tale of murder and destruction to the world system, if you will. As I say, it, it kind of reminded me of the latest Star Wars. You've got all of the, uh, the injustices that are, that are, that are there in uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> they're, they're being opposed by uh, our motley band of heroes, and there's, there's well, a Star War. <laughs> Uh, all this battles and which make for great special effects and lots of excitement and uh, and heroics and 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 also lots of death uh, very high body count in the movie um, but it's 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 interesting that it in some respects as I watched that movie there was another Star Wars story that stuck with me a lot more uh, from the, the recent, uh, uh, well, equally recent uh, TV show, The Ma Mandalorian, that, uh, that Disney is, uh, is putting out on their, on their new subscription service. And there's, there, I mean, it, it, that's also a story of uh, heroism and destruction and death. But there's one character in there who, who reminds me, if you go back to the original Star Wars saga, of um, two other really uncelebrated characters uh, in the Star Wars universe, Luke's Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. We see very little of them other than that, you know, and, and the, the little interaction that, that Luke has with them 
betrays his annoyance with them. Uh, he just wants to go off and do exciting things, and they're keeping him here on this annoying farm in the middle of the desert. Uh, uh, but they're keeping him safe. They're keeping him hidden, and they've done so their whole lives. Looked after him, raised him, uh, and then they end up sort of pile charred smoking husks. Uh, you know, very, very, very soon in, in, at the beginning of of this of the saga. And the, the the other character that this that that I'm kind of reminded of here uh, um, is, is he's he's a a blurg farmer. Blurgs are some weird Star Wars creature. <laughs> uh, who who uh, uh, he's he just happens to be on this planet where the 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 hero crashes down and he helps him. And he's spent his entire life working to get out of indentured servitude and working to 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 get this farm going. And then um, and then he he gets caught up in the larger story and uh, and it does. And he, he himself does the noble self-sacrificial thing. He doesn't like change the world or anything. He just is who he has been over the course of his very long life. And I guess the reason that this contrast came to mind was, uh, when, as I'm reflecting on the horrible story of the slaughter of the innocents, you have King Herod trying to protect his kingship, his throne. Uh, and doing it by whatever means he has possible. And you have a dramatic contrast here. Joseph, a carpenter from Nazareth, a nobody, but a honest, righteous, holy nobody. You know, he's not totally nobody. He comes from the line of David. Um, but it's not like he has any particular kingship to guard at this point. Um, He's 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 just been betrothed to this young young girl who is with child and of course being a righteous man and knowing well this is not my child uh, he he feels he has to divorce her but he's he's going to do so and break off the betrothal uh, which was a legally binding engagement but he's going to do so quietly because you know he's a righteous man he's a good man and. Uh, and of course, when the angel of the Lord comes to him and appears to him in a dream and tells him, actually, this child is from God, who he will be the savior of your, your people, uh, of all people. Uh, he just does what God tells him to do. And when, um, when God tells him that Herod is about to come and kill the child, he shows the great noble uh, art of running away, which is sometimes what we need to do. And he runs away, he takes the child and his mother into Egypt um, uh, in, in, to keep them safe. And then he brings them back and he goes back. Uh, and when, when he's coming back, he realizes, oh, drat, King Herod's son is reigning in his place. Let's go, let's not go back to Bethlehem. Let's go all the way up back up to Nazareth and 
that there he raises and and looks after Mary and the Christ child working as a carpenter until he dies before uh, before Jesus manifests himself to the world a very simple quiet story of humble leadership in the family which we need we need that humble holy servant-minded leadership in the family we also need it in the political arena the other one the the, the other uh, the next of the three who is presented to us is david the king he also shows us the value of running away. <laughs> um, uh, he, 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 uh, he, uh, but, but, but more importantly, throughout his life, he, he works in the complicated, messy arena of public policy, uh, of uh, you know all of the 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 the, the murderous intricacies. <laughs> of living at the top, so to speak, uh, first as a, a, a servant to Saul, uh, the king, and then running away from Saul, the king, as an outlaw, and then becoming himself king, uh, first of Judah and then of Israel, uh, and, and just navigating that whole mess. Not perfectly. I think it's important to note. Uh, I mean, the scriptures are also pretty clear that it's important to note he doesn't negotiate it perfectly. He messes up and he pays for those messes. He pays for the consequences of his own mistakes. But he always repents. He doesn't get it right all the time. He can be angry and, and, and murderous himself in his intent, but when people confront him and say, no, don't do this, he listens. And when he does something wrong, he repents. And so he becomes re renowned and remembered almost in spite of his being king <laughs> uh, as a man after God's own heart. And then the third person whom we are presented with as this counterpoint to the way that the world works is James, the brother of our Lord. He, like Joseph, uh, had to deal with um, things which didn't seem the way that he thought they were. Uh, he, along with the other brothers of our Lord, um, didn't get Jesus, didn't understand him, uh, didn't believe in him. Until he, when, when he rose from the dead and manifested himself as the God-man, he finally got it. And when uh, James, uh, uh, the, the, the apostle, uh, was, was murdered by, again, by Herod, the Herodian family was pretty murderous <laughs> throughout their existence, um, um, uh, he, uh, James, the brother of our Lord, becomes the leader of the community in Jerusalem. He was known to be a man of prayer. 
Uh, he, he, his, it said that his knees were like camels because he, he was so often kneeling in prayer. Um, and it's James who ends up having to confront and to deal with at the very first council uh, in Jerusalem the challenging question of what to do about the Gentiles. What, what do you do with these Gentile Christians who are who have Gentile believers in Jesus Christ, uh, who are coming in and who don't know the Mosaic Law? Uh, and there were people who claimed to be from James who who went up and said, "No, these these guys have to have to keep the whole law. They have to be circumcised." Uh, and and this and Paul, of course. Uh, was was horrified and spoke against this, and it led to a, a pretty massive clash in the early church about what do we do with these Gentiles, uh, at which then they came together at the Council of Jerusalem, and Paul and Barnabas were there, and Peter was there, and they all spoke about their experiences in giving the gospel to the Gentiles. And, and Peter spoke about how he was like the first one to, to receive this revelation from God and how when he went and preached to the, to the centurion Cornelius and those in his household, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what was he supposed to do? You know, the Holy Spirit had come upon them already, so he baptized them. And, and, and they were... Uh, and, and so the, what James, listening to all of this, delivers what became the verdict of the council. He said, look, God has obviously accepted them. So we ought not to lay any heavy burden on them. And it's not like they don't know anything about what God expects. Moses has been read in the synagogues for centuries now. This is the, 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 ex, the basic expectations are known. And so it seems good, uh, to, it, it, it would be best not to lay any heavy burden on them other than uh, they should obviously abstain from sexual immorality, from uh, eating blood, and from food offered to idols. That's it. And as we look at not only the life of James, but the writings of James in his epistle, his general epistle, um, we, what we see is a consistency there, a humble continuity with the Mosaic Law. He recognized the Mosaic Law as this amazing gift from God, and he recognized Christ as the fulfillment of that law. And he kept both in all humility and love. And if you read the, the, his epistle, which I highly recommend you do, you see it's, a, it's not a great theological treatise about who Jesus is and how he fits into God's plan of salvation. It's a simple exhortation to live out our faith. Faith without works is useless, so work. Do what needs to be done. Be righteous. Be holy. 
because ultimately this is what sustains the universe. The humble people struggling with evaporators out in the desert. The blarg farmers, or blurg farmers, whatever they are. <laughs> the people who do, who just do what are what we are called to do, those basic everyday tasks that we are set as human beings. Which is probably why one of my favorite verses occurs to me here. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, we will reap a harvest if we do not faint. What we are called to do is simple in its concept and immensely difficult in its execution. We're called to love. We're called to be defined wholly and completely by love. In a world that is messed up, in a world that will hurt us and harm us and destroy us and, and oppose us in every way, shape, or form that it can. And in the face of this, what do we do? We need to persevere in righteousness, in holiness, in goodness, like Joseph the betrothed, like David the king, like that leader of the early church, James, the brother of our Lord. And as we do so, God is able to work through us and in us. And as he does so, so we ourselves are saved and the world around us is redeemed to his glory. Glory the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, now and ever into ages of ages. Amen.